today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I look back at the year 2020, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, and I want to focus on uh, what's going on south of the border and what has gone on south of the border. I mean, when you live next door to the most powerful country in the world, uh, whatever happens down there is going to have an impact on us and everyone else, whether it's uh, trade deals or uh, racial issues or uh, politics especially, of course, because that seems to uh, encompass just about everything. And just about a year ago, and actually heading into the early part of 2020, uh, Donald Trump, heading into an election year was uh, in pretty good shape the economy was doing well his approval ratings were uh, in very very good shape uh the democrats didn't seem to have their act together and everybody thought well you know i really don't want to see it happen but it sort of looks like trump's probably going to get reelected in november and then covid happened i see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute one minute and is there a way we can do something like that uh by injection inside or or almost a cleaning trump's handling of the covid crisis or non-handling i guess of the covid crisis obviously was a a contributing factor maybe the driving force in uh, the huge turnaround that happened in american politics over the last couple of months joining us to talk about uh, the u.s uh, over the last little while and the impact that it's going to have is uh, our good friend elliot tepper emeritus professor of political science at carlton university Uh, elliot thanks so much for joining us today great to have you back on the show today uh, what a year to be talking about, Bill. Well, I I still remember a conversation you and I had just about a year ago saying, you know what, I, you know, it, it, as much as everybody's going to hate this, it looks like this guy's going to get reelected. Uh, COVID really was, I, I think, the pivotal situation in the United States, wasn't it? Well, certainly the story of the year globally and for Canada and most certainly for the U.S. is COVID. No matter what else we talk about, it's in the, the backdrop of that is covid Another thing that did happen, however, in the U.S. is that uh, the Republicans, as you said, looked like they were going to cruise to an easy victory, Trump. But at that point, they had as their possible opponent a Democratic Socialist who had honeymooned in in Moscow. And then that didn't happen. Joe Biden seized the center uh, so that there was now a more credible alternative. But this was also the year... uh, Let's, let's remind ourselves, uh, the, the COVID crisis did begin, uh, the, we don't know quite the origins in December, but January marked, marked the arrival of the pandemic in, in our part of the world. It also was the month of the impeachment of Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. we, just, <laughs> so we kicked off the year with COVID and, and an impeachment. Yeah, and we all wondered how that was going to end up. And even though he was eventually impeached, of course, the Senate uh, did not ratify the impeachment. So, I mean, he obviously stuck it and he stuck with his job. Uh, I want to get into the politics of that. We'll go back to COVID in a second because there's so much about that. And I, I know in our mind's eye, Elliot, we've probably all got you know, the, the, the impressions of the, the quotes, you know, it's, it's going to go away. It's just going to blow away. It's only, there's only five people affected by this in the States. It's not a big problem. All those things which came back to haunt him. But you mentioned about the Biden factor, and I want to talk about that for a second, uh, because uh, I, the Democrats started their run for, to find out who the candidate was going to be. Actually, the summer before that, you know, they started with the debates, and it was uh, there was a lot of blood on the floor after some of those things. I mean, they scored some points, and everybody looked at that and said, you know, Biden's just he's not there. Uh, he was he was down in the polls. He wasn't even considered to be the front runner. You're right; it was going to be Bernie Sanders. Everybody thought, unless somebody comes up the middle. But nobody was counting on Joe Biden to be that guy until the South Carolina, until that the. the, the Super Tuesday, when all of a sudden everything turned around. Yes. Uh, quite clearly, the Democratic Party was looking for a way 
to not go down to uh, a hum- huge humiliating defeat uh, against Donald Trump at the start of the year. They did find a candidate of the center. He had, in fact, been, <laughs> it was funny, uh, if you followed the polls, uh, Joe Biden never dipped in the polls uh, nationally all the way through. He was always the favorite, but he was not winning the primaries, and he did, in fact, do pretty well in the primary just before South Carolina. South Carolina, he took that despite opposition, uh, and people forget a lot of the details of that, but Tom Steyer was down there taking away what was supposed to be his base, and Clyburn, you know, the black community rallied around him and said, this is our guy, and you know, there was no looking back after that. So the, the, the party was looking to coalesce a, around a centrist who could defeat Donald Trump and return America to something like uh, normality as the Democrats saw it, and that's what happened. The Standing back, uh, and that's our job at the end of the year, yeah. we see a situation where the United States is paralyzed at home, really, still divided at the end of the year, although with a new president-elect coming in, uh, quite different from how it looked in the first part of January, as you've discussed, but also it's, it's kind of displaced ab- abroad. America is not the country at the end of this year uh, that it was at the start of the Trump presidency. Well, absolutely, and and I guess everybody's looking to see exactly how this is going to turn around, and that's that's you know to be seen, I guess, in the, in the upcoming months. But uh, the 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 impact the Trump administration has had on the United States and their global position uh, is uh, is is well, it's been magnified, obviously, by some of the things that happened with COVID. Uh, but you know, the old adage, I guess, that you know you can't turn an ocean liner around on on a dime. It's going to take some time. And I, I I agree with you. I think there's a lot of apprehension south of the border right now that say, yeah, I think we we elected the right guy. Uh, Biden's going to be he's going to be the guy we need in a situation like this. Uh, but I, I think they're probably trying to temper their expectations at this stage, aren't they, Elliot? To say, look, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to be able to change everything all of a sudden. I think again, we should take more of a bird's eye view of this. I think there was there's a lot of global hope, Canadian hope, that. There's going to be a return to multilateralism, to the uh, the role of of uh, alliances, to the role of NATO. That is the political vacuum that Donald Trump declared he wanted and did achieve. America first. Uh, that really pulled back the America from the world. We should, uh, in terms of some of the headlines we're seeing now. That really cleared the way for adversaries of America, starting with Russia. We have that gigantic hack that's in the news right now. Uh, Russia had every reason to think, apparently, that they would pay no penalty from a Donald Trump uh, who wasn't going to, um, I won't say he had their back exactly, but he, they had no reason to fear him, nor did China uh, have a reason to fear that they didn't. They, they, they were planning to move forward into a, a regional and then global leadership and dominant role over a longer period of time. But the first act of Donald Trump was to pull out the TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was a barrier to Chinese expansion, just as uh, just as in Europe, the EU and Brexit, all that happened. That's still in the news now. Uh, those are barriers to the expansion of people who wanted to displace America. A vacuum was created. China has moved to consolidate its role as fast as it can during this uh, period when America has chosen not to lead. Can America come back? You're quite right. It's not going to be an easy matter for America now to to uh, say, okay, we're back. You can say you're back. 
that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Canada's back. America's back. But it's going to be very difficult for the Biden administration, which is dealing simultaneously, simultaneously with crises at home that will probably sap all of its energy and have limited time then to, uh, to do the rectifying of the role of America in the world. And that, of course, affects Canada directly and importantly. One of the things that I, I think struck an awful lot of us, and you and I have had numerous discussions about this over the last number of years, Elliot, is is the following that Donald Trump had. I mean, it, it shocked everybody when he won the last election, of course, uh, because he was Donald Trump. He was not just the Republican. He was Donald Trump, and we knew this was going to be a different kind of, of administration, and it certainly turned out to be. But the question I think a lot of people are asking now is uh, these people that fell in line behind him, uh, did they do that because they feared him and thought he was all-powerful, or did they actually believe in him and believe in what he was trying to do? And I'm not so sure we have the answer to that yet. I mean, we've seen a few people fall off, including Bill Barr and, and Mitch McConnell and others. They're, they're saying, up, the election's over, you know, give it up. But but the guy got 71 million votes. There's a lot of people in this, the United States that still think Donald Trump is their guy, and that's yeah. not going to go away on January 20th. No, it's an empirical question whether how much... Uh, support will remain for Donald Trump once he's no longer actually the president. The when you say that you know people have fallen in line, what's fallen in line are is the Republican Party, the Republican voters, the Republican base, Republican base, not Trump base, uh, and that keeps all the elected officials that you're referring to. They fall in line because their base is behind Trump, therefore they can't deviate from it. We don't know how long that will last, but we should keep in mind, uh, and I've tried to make this point in very subtle ways for a while, that to borrow some vocabulary from another unfortunate situation, the Republican Party has groomed its base for the arrival of Donald Trump. They've they've used uh, paranoia, fear of the others. They've used racism. They've used used, um, culture wars. You know, don't don't worry about what's happening to your pocketbook. Look what's happening to whatever turns your crank today. Uh, immigration, um, abortion, whatever whatever it is we can do to stoke your fears. And along came Donald Trump to kind of bring that to fruition in a very unique way. He, he is a distinctive figure in American politics, and we'll go down to history that way. But this was a base that had been groomed by Donald Trump, uh, by the Republican Party. They just didn't expect Donald Trump to be the one to take advantage of it, or in this fashion. So they now the elected leaders are, in a sense, held hostage to something they themselves helped create. What does that tell you, though, Elliot, about the Republican Party? Uh, historically, I know they're, they're the party of Lincoln and the party of, well, well, they still idolize Ronald Reagan and others and Dwight Eisenhower. But this is a party that seems to go in whatever direction, the, I mean, you, you just talked about the Trump influence, but I mean, we can go back 15, 20 years to the Tea Party, did the, the exact same thing, not as extreme as what Trump did, but, you know, they said, look, we, we want to we'll move everybody to the right, and these guys just follow along. They said, yeah, okay, if that's what's going to get us elected, I guess that's what we're going to do. Uh, and and the, the, the mainstream Republicans, uh, you know, the, the Bush family and others, mm-hmm. are, are just looking at this and saying, this is not our party anymore. Colin Powell, I mean, how many people supported Joe Biden in this last election and supported Joe Biden all through the last year uh, who were Republicans? You know, the, the Lincoln movement, the, you know, Steve Schmidt and other people like this, the Lincoln Project, uh, yeah. these are Republicans that said, we don't want this guy. We want. I'm going to vote Democrat for the first time in my life. 
life. These are the saw, displaced. Yeah. <laughs> they were displaced by the, the juggernaut that, that uh, Donald Trump used uh, building on the, the seeds that they themselves helped plant or their party helped plant. America has a, a lot of reckoning to do. We should come back to uh, the crises facing America. Right now there is a health crisis, an economic crisis, a social justice crisis, and on top of that, in these final days in particular, but all manifest throughout, is the crisis of an assault on the democratic institutions, which Republicans, as well as Democrats, many Republicans, most of them, as well as Democrats, revere, and that's very much under assault. Whether you add those things together and then say, what can Biden do in terms of foreign policy, you get a clearer picture that he's going to be very heavily constrained in foreign policy, that is to bring America back to the center, to foreclose the vacuum that's, that's been created so that uh, a China and a Russia can move into it and further uh, destabilize the democratic norms and the kind of rule of law institutions globally that Canada depends on. Uh, America's attention is going to be riveted at home, and, if, and we, we also don't know whether the Republican Senate is going to be obstructionist or indeed under control of the Republicans. We won't know that till the 5th of January. So America is preoccupied at home at a time when it is badly, when, when the incoming administration is extraordinarily well equipped to deal with returning America uh, to its uh, internationalist roots. And yet they're going to be caught up at home to such a degree they may be hobbled in doing so. Well, that's the biggest concern, I think. I mean, you know, as Canadians, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, we want to see the United States take a, a lead role once again in NATO and in the G, G7 uh, and the G20, for that matter. We want to see them take the lead as they have for generations and generations, uh, unlike what Trump has done. Uh, but President-elect Biden's got his hands full. I mean, he's there's, there's internal problems there. You just listed a whole bunch of them right now. And uh, there's going to be a demand from the American public to simply say, look, you've got to get this thing fixed before you start looking at what's going on overseas. Because Trump has convinced, I think, an awful lot of people that, look, we've we, we got to fix it what's at home here. Now, his approach, I don't think, is, is, is fashionable anymore. You know, but, you know, Muslim bans and, you know, the, uh, the, the wall at the Mexican border and things of that nature. But they still have real problems that they're going to, they want this new president to address them and fix them. Yes. And meanwhile, <laughs> There's a razor-thin majority for the Democrats in the House. Uh, it's going to be, at most, a very razor-thin majority for the Democrats, but even very possibly uh, still the Republicans in control of the Senate. The state legislatures, which the Democrats had targeted, they did not take, so that the Republicans will now be setting the redistricting <laughs> for the next electoral uh, uh, division in America. So the, the, there's a... Joe Biden is coming in instead of Donald Trump. The way it looks today, we'll have to see if something can even change that. But when he gets there, he's, uh, he's, he has a lot of constraints on how he can behave and what he can do. So how does, how does this shake down then? I mean, you know, a year from now when we're talking about the, the first year of the Biden administration, uh, is there a, a checklist that he can say, okay, got, got it, did it, did it, did it? Or is, is this, as you say, moving at glacial speed? Because it, there's, there's so much going on here. I mean, how do you deal with social justice, injustice in, the, in this particular case? Uh, the economy, you know, I, I know he's making all kinds of promises about that, but that's very much dependent on uh, what the pandemic is going to do over the next 12 months. I mean, we know we have vaccines, uh, but, you know, we're being told by the experts once again 
that uh, it's not going to happen overnight. And once you get injected, you're still going to wear a mask. You're still a social distance. So I think they have to manage their expectations over the next year, don't they? Yes. We have a situation where, if you look back not very long ago, where President Obama uh, was elected, uh, he had inherited the Great Recession, that is, eight years of Republican (laughs) tax cuts and so forth. I mean, America was swamped economically at the start of the Obama years, and two years later, you ask about one year, two years later, uh, the Democratic uh, majority in the House was lost. I think he lost like 64 seats. The Democrats lost 64 seats or something to that effect in the House of Representatives, which moved hard right against him. And uh, Mitch McConnell maneuvered very successfully, even a minority in the Senate, to help block anything much that Obama tried to do. They ended up with a highly uh, compromised health bill, as one example. So we have a situation now where Joe Biden, in a sense, has to clean up clean up what the four years of the Trump administration has brought. Uh, and, and to be fair, COVID uh, was not due to the Trump, Trump administration, but how they handled it uh, certainly has made it worse. We should probably quickly talk just about the COVID crisis. As yeah, i got about a minute left, so yeah, jump okay, in. Okay, well... Uh, perhaps we won't, just the, the, the stats coming out of America on COVID shows they basically made a hash out of managing this crisis, and that's going to determine a lot of what happens going forward. Well, I, you talk about the influence of Donald Trump. I mean, I have a whole section in my home library here. I'll let Trump books about Trump, you know, yes. just about everybody who's ever covered the White House has written a book about it, and, uh, and they're, they're very revealing. Uh, oh, yeah, more to come. Yeah, Bob Woodward's already said that he's working on another one yet. And Melania, so is, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, it's been a heck of a year, and it's it's been a pleasure having you with us uh, through the year to talk about these events as they happened. Uh, thanks so much for your contributions. Uh, all the best uh, of the season. A Merry Christmas and, and a Happy you, New and, Year, and too. to everybody listening, and I think my my final message is, Looking forward to 2021. The vaccines are there. So be optimistic for 2021. Healthy Absolutely. and safe. Absolutely. Thanks again, Elliot. Take care. Take care. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.